0: Hello everybody, welcome to the Jersey Joe Corner. It is brought to you by Big Heads Media. It is going to be a great hockey season uh, coming right up. A lot of interesting things. Uh, anchor.fm will help you uh, start your podcast and get things rolling. It's going to be a lot smoother when you, uh, when you get the Anchor app and it's so much easier to navigate. Even... Their online website at anchor.fm is very efficient, and you can do a lot of great things with it. With the first pick overall, the New Jersey Devils are brought to select from the US program, Jack Hughes.
1: Hello everybody. We're back better than ever. Special edition of the Jersey Joe Corner. Today talking about 1980 USA men's hockey team.
0: And hello everybody. Yes, this is the Jersey Joe Corner with Jersey Jim as your co-host and we're going to have a special caller on today who experienced the Miracle on Ice.
1: Yes, he did. He did experience the Miracle on Ice. He was at the game. He saw them defeat the Soviet Union. He saw them defeat Finland for the gold. And it's uh, you know, it's one of those things that if you were there to witness it, you'll never forget it. And, you know, it, like I said, he reached out to me last month because I had put out an article in regards to the Miracle on Ice team 40 years later, what it means. Uh, Just the lasting impact it's had still to this day, you know, you hear everybody talk about it and it'd be cool to just talk about, you know, something cool in a time where things right now are not so cool, where we're all stuck inside quarantine.
0: <laughs> well, you know what? It feels like a Cold War, but with a virus that we're all trying to avoid. I wish not to call it uh, the name it's called on the news because... You know, we're here to enjoy ourselves. We're here to talk to Dan. Bring. We're gonna wind our clocks back forty years ago, um, between February twelfth and February twenty fourth. You know, back when uh, Lake Placid started.
1: Yep, we're gonna turn we're gonna turn the clocks back on the way back machine. Um, we're going back to nineteen eighty. <clears throat> And we're gonna talk some hockey, um, and it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be fun. Um, I'm gonna see if he's available. I'm gonna give him a call in about a minute, see what's going on, see where mm-hmm.
0: everything's at. The and... malt ball machine, remember? What the in in the '60s and '80s? Back then, they had, you know, you go to this, the candy store, stuff like that. You'd go get a hot chocolate or something. You put, you get some malt chocolate drinks. It was so. Yep. It's your. Our parents wouldn't know about that. Yeah, they would. Yeah, <laughs> but, they would. but we. But we have oat milk and all that to to this day with with all sorts of stuff like chocolate.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: But um. Yeah, I'm just trying to set everyone's mindset 40 years back.
1: <laughs> yeah, 40 years ago, a long time. So.
0: <laughs> a little bit too far back with the 40s, but a little bit. It's it's still you know. World War II, post-World War II mindset <laughs> everyone had it back then. But, you know, let's touch up a little bit on the uh, on the USSR. So, basically, Valery Harlamov, Larionov, Krutov, Larionov.
1: All right, give me one minute. I'm just going to put you on pause.
0: All right, I'm paused.
1: All right, Dan's on the phone. He's on mute right now. And uh, I'm gonna release it and put it on speaker, and uh, we can get this thing going.
0: All righty, then. You got the uh, the U.S. roster. I'm doing the Russian roster. Um, yeah, I got the I got the U.S. roster in front of me. All right. Well, I'm trying to go for the Russian roster from 1980. So, hey Dan, are you
2: there? I'm here. Good afternoon.
0: Good afternoon. How are you doing?
2: I'm wonderful. I'm uh, just hanging loose here today and uh, doing some washing, uh, mopping floors and cleaning bathrooms and dusting because a man's work is never done.
0: So, Dan, uh, please tell us how um, you got to that um, those first two games uh, for the U.S. Uh, versus Russia, then the one versus Finland.
2: Um, it's a, It's been a while, Rob, but let me go back years before that, if you don't mind.
0: Sure. Go um, ahead. Yeah, go ahead.
2: 1960, my dad brought me, it was January 1st, 1960, the Americans played the Russians prior to the 1960 Square Valley Olympics, and this game was at the Old Madison Square Garden on 6th, on Fifth uh, 8th Avenue and 50 and 49th Street, and I watched... That game, and we sat in the end arena, and Jack McCartan was the goaltender. And I was a goalie then, and, you know, playing ho- roller hockey and ice hockey, and I followed the goalies, and I remember the Russian goalie was Nikolai Putchkov. I'll never forget these names. So I went to that game, and the Americans lost, and they win in Score Valley. And the Christian brothers were playing on the 1960 game. 1960. 1960- uh, for the Olympics uh, the Russians play the Americans at the Garden again my friends find out where, where, where the uh, Olympic team is staying at the Hotel Manhattan on 8th Avenue and 43rd Street 44th Street and we went into the lobby met the players and my
0: friends and I walk with Herb Brooks and Bob Turt to the game oh wow to them they go in the side entrance at the
2: old madison square garden and at the time at the old god you could stand right in front of the locker room the u.s olympic team at that night was in in the ranger locker room and we could stand right there so between periods we cheer the guys on at the end of the game is it
0: still there gave
1: my friend yeah i'm here and, and bob bob turk gave me a
2: stick and we used it to play hockey and we broke the sticks never to have them again and herb brooks was the last guy cut team now fast forward 1979 i know the olympics the olympics are coming up to lake placid and i wrote away to the olympic committee that i would like to have some tickets and they sent me back and i would have wish i took a photo of this but it was a big sheet, and the sheets were divided up by events and days. Hmm. And I said, well, when, when would cool. you like to go to myself? And I said, I want to go the last four days because I want to go, or five days, I want to go the closing ceremony." Huh. So I picked a number of different games. There was a hockey game Wednesday afternoon. There was speed skating. There was That's cool. uh, figure skating, everything. And I picked two games. On that Friday, the 22nd, that were playoff games, all right? That mm-hmm. picked the closing ceremonies. Well, I got the tickets to the closing ceremonies. I got a ticket to the Wednesday afternoon game. got the ticket to the 5 o'clock afternoon game on February 22nd, 1980, Lake Placid, New York. So I go up there on Wednesday. I'm staying in Keene, New York, which is about a 15-minute ride from Lake Placid. And I stayed I in that a old dilapidated place that I could only get, and it was really used for a summer place. So the first night I froze my backside off. <laughs> <Thursday> morning, <laughs> I go early in the morning, and you can only go by bus from Keene into Lake Placid, no car.
1: Yeah, because if everybody knows that road, it's really tight, and there's not, oh, yeah. there's <laughs> only
2: one way in
1: and there's only one way out. I said, there's only one way in and
0: one way out. You got it. I was seeing and
2: the camp. And I walked around. I, I forget where this place was. I found a hotel. I found a hotel for Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights. I paid by my credit card bill, paid up front, got the bill, went back on the bus, back to this place where I was staying. Told the lady, I have an emergency at home. I need to get my money back. Got my money back. I was working for Milliken and Company, a big textile company in New York City at the time, had my attaché case, opened up the attaché case, showed the the police people my my, uh, uh, receipt from the hotel, and I said, I got to work in in Lake Placid, I need to have my car. (laughs) They gave me a sticker that I had to put on my car, drove the car in, parked the car there, I was in Lake Placid for the
1: whole day. That's That's awesome. Oh my God.
0: So, let me bring you up to Friday.
2: After seeing, I snuck into a speed skating event for um, um, the speed skating event at the time, Eric High, And that was right in front of the school, right next to the uh, hockey rink. And that was on uh, Friday, uh, Thursday afternoon. Friday morning, I went to some speed skating thing. And then 4 o'clock, we gather around the... Um, to the hockey arena, and a week before, the Americans lost, I think, 10-3 or 10-1 to the Russians at Madison Square Garden in an exhibition game. And I'm there thinking, well, if they lose by three goals, I'm going to call that a win. <laughs> and it, because the Russians had, if you, if you think back and read about the historical stuff of these guys, I think 90% of the Russian hockey
0: team were in the Red Army. That is correct.
2: Wages to play hockey for the Russian Army. They didn't lose any games. All those years, years before they won those tournaments, they beat uh, the Canadians in 1972 at the Forum, that wonderful, uh, uh, I think it was a, a year's day game. They didn't lose. And they had some wonderful players, uh Boris Mihailov, uh, uh, they had Trodiac as the goaltender, um, and, and they had some players that would eventually play in the NHL at the later years in their life. So and these guys from, you know, Massachusetts and Boston mostly were rivals. They were kicking their butts all the time, each other. So they, they come to the game and they won some games, I think. Baker, the defenseman, tied the game up a a couple games earlier to to have the Americans tie one of the teams, and then they won. And they weren't supposed to beat Czechoslovakia. and They wound up beating them, I think. And now it's 5 o'clock for the game. And I'm sitting right above Jim Craig, about three rows upstairs from Jim Craig. Oh, my God. Uh, the place was—I well, think about eight thousand people there. They lined up across, and I'm thinking, "Wow, this is really freaking great!" <laughs> All right. I love hockey. I've been watching hockey since 1960 or 1959, and this is really cool in a small town. And I'm going to watch a cool game, and I had my camera.
1: Hey, real quick,
2: um, real quick, before we before we go into
1: that story, I just got to switch phones real quick because the one I'm on is actually the one that you're on, Dan, is actually dying. So, hold on.
0: So, meanwhile, uh, <clears throat> while Dan's still here... Um,
1: Dan is still here, right? Can you hear me? I'm here. Perfect.
0: Uh, Alright, so, Dan, I want to clarify. I'm looking at uh, hockeyreference.com. Um, February 12th... Uh, then the end up being Netherlands. They end up being two to nothing. Uh February sixteenth of nineteen eighty they beat Poland. Okay. And then February eighteenth they beat Finland. And then they beat Canada. So they came off a high a high note versus uh a a very close game six to four win to Canada. And and if people
1: real quick, if people remember Canada was actually leading that game. If you look at the box score, Canada was actually leading that game going into the third period. And I've read an article about how that game could have been the upset, but Russia ended up pulling it through, and they set up the battle with the Americans.
0: Russia also uh, led Uh, Poland 3-0? That was the 18th or the 20th, I
2: guess? Yeah, that
1: was the last preliminary (laughs) game. The the Canadian game was the last preliminary game before... um, the medal round started.
2: Okay, so if that was a Wednesday, I, I think I was at that game. That was a Wednesday afternoon game. Yeah. Okay, mm. that was the afternoon game. And then and then everybody, you know, because I, I was just there thinking, okay, good, what, I'm at the Olympics. That's all I wanted to do. I was at the Olympics. I didn't give the United States much. Credence to beat the Russians, and that was maybe my bad, but I
1: don't think a lot of people did. So you're yeah. you're not in the minority. No, you're in the majority. You're in the majority on that one.
2: But so the game starts, and you know um, the Russians get a goal, we get a goal, um, and, and it's 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 a very good skating game, and maybe maybe thirds through the first period. I'm thinking, well, if they lost to the Russians in Madison Square Garden, they had to be playing worse than this because they're playing great here. They were up to date. They were skating. They were checking their defense. Um, Craig Craig made some wonderful saves. And the Russians always had a way of um, coming in over the blue line where if they didn't have to really – they didn't dump it in a lot. They would pass, 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 come over the blue line and – the game, the the Americans are breaking up that game a little bit here and a little bit there and so on and so forth. And 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 the biggest thing that I remember uh, was that goal with one second left, and, and uh, that I think it was Rusiani. no, that she was Johnson. With one second left in the period, the place went nuts, and. And then going into the third period now, we have a new goaltender coming in replacing oh, the, oh, yeah, the second period, yeah. Vladimir Mishkin. Uh, yeah,
1: they put the best goalie in the world on the bench. Right, and, and I'm, I'm thinking
2: it wasn't really his fault.
0: No. No. It, no. It, they could have left him in and there.
2: I, I, and I never got, and I'll tell you more about this later on, I never got to to understand what the Americans thinking was when they saw that. In other words, wow, they got a new goalie in here. This goalie is second string. And, 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 and carried that team all through these, um, playoffs or these international events and everything. And, The game is going back and forth in the beginning of the third period, and Michigan is making some saves, and and Craig was phenomenal in the beginning of the third period. That I remember because he was right under me. And and, and the Russians were so quick in their ability to pass and shoot, pass and shoot. And then, what, 10 minutes to go in the game? At the far end of the ring, from where I was sitting, Aruginoni scored. And, and that's when that, really, that chant really went up. USA. 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 Now, you got to remember this. Interest rates were high. Uh, the, 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 they had the hostages. Uh, there was a,
0: a back and forth with, with uh, the political BS and everything. Yes. America
2: wasn't really feeling too good about themselves.
0: No. I heard oil prices were skyrocketed. This afternoon in Lake Placid, New
2: York. This, this was phenomenal. I wish I could have recorded that. <laughs> Everybody's yelling, USA, USA. And then, like I played hockey, but not in any way, shape, or form professional. But I knew how the Russians played because I would watch them all the time on TV when they had those tournaments, and now I'm watching them again. And for the last seven or eight minutes, they changed their philosophy of that game they started to do dump and, and, and chase how to play that game. And Kenny Morrow and all those guys, they, they beat the Russians to the puck behind the net. If there was a shot from the point, it was blocked. Wow. And, and the crowd yelling, 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 USA, USA, USA. And I'm watching Herb Brooks go up and down the bench, patting people on the back. And, uh, and and then, you know, you got this minute to go in the game, and I'm thinking, this can't happen where the Russians score. It just can't happen. And It was one shot. Uh, maybe if they do the reading, if you see the, the tape of the game, I guess maybe with a minute to go, a minute and a half to go, one of the centers, uh, I don't know who it was, really had a quick shot at, at Craig, and, and, and they just slid across because they weren't the, the – He was more of a stand-up goalie But he just put his pad there And boom The puck went into the corner The Americans just kept dumping it out Chasing it in Getting the puck Dumping it out Chasing it it in Dumping the puck Getting it out And I'm looking at the clock now It's 45 seconds And I'm thinking (laughs) Come on, get it in Get it out Get it in Get it out This sounds like
0: Al Michaels Description
2: Now the Russians Never were in a situation like this No, never so how do, how do you play a positional hockey game when you never played a game like this before and you didn't know how to dump and chase? You just went with it, and you, and you, you, you improvised. And they didn't improvise well enough because the Americans knew how to do the dump and chase. And they checked, and, and, now, the, and now it goes out to center ice, and then the famous call by Al Michaels, Do You Believe in Miracles? Because the puck went across. On the side by the where I was, it was on the right hand side of where I was wow. sitting to the face off circle, and the puck went duly out into center ice and By the time the puck went out to center ice, I'm watching the players come on the ice now with one second left. They were already on the ice. they have too many men on the ice <laughs> they're going to have with one second left but and then the feeling that that was um, that they won to me i i i i Took a couple of photos, and I just stood there. I didn't <laughs> yell, didn't scream. I just watched.
1: Wow, I That's watched amazing. what
2: was below me and and the scene with uh, the players hugging each other, uh, the Russians standing at, at the opposite end of the blue line, all lined up, just standing there for three or four minutes before they they eventually shook their hands. Wow, and then. Then we went out. I left the arena. I left it out through the. I'll oh, never no, forget this. I left it out through the side door of that arena in Lake Placid. When you get out that door, you're looking exactly across at the high school and the speed skating track. Hey, I know where that door is. Okay, and I walked down the little hill to Main Street. And from the time I left, getting out of that door and walking to Main Street. Everybody was singing "God Bless." My them.
1: God! Wow,
0: that's unbelievable. It sounds that's
2: like crazy. See,
1: I mean, everybody knows what that means. I mean, everybody knew what that game meant to just everybody. It was a big
2: rallying cry. For it the nation, it
0: was like a second Fourth off, of July. And
2: the game wasn't on TV until eight o'clock that night. I called my my friends in New York and I said, "You got to watch the game. I'm not
1: telling you." Just gotta the watch game. the game. Just gotta watch we the walk, game. We walked down Main
2: Street. And Jim
1: Lambert was
2: there. Oh, I know. Yeah. Players and stuff, and then I walked over to the Hilton um, at the end of Main Street, and a lot of the scouts were there, including I think a guy named Larry Zydell, who was a defenseman, an all-time defenseman for the Flyers. I think. I think he was a scout there that we we met two. I met two or three scouts. And they couldn't believe the whole thing, and we walked up and down the street the whole day.
1: That's and, crazy.
2: And that night we went on Mirror Lake and watched a ring, uh, uh, a ceremony for speed skating. They gave out medals on. Oh, that's Mira cool. lake right
1: there. Oh yeah, yeah, that lake.
2: was uh, and, and screaming, and I wish. And um, we re- retro, we retroflect back too. I wish I could have walked up to where the players were staying, or go up to where the team was housed at the at the complex, because it must have been something for those guys to walk in that there after the game. And I didn't wait for them to get dressed or something. They got dressed and they left from the back of the, the, the Oh yeah, because
1: they would have got mobs coming
2: out if those oh, guys but went I out. Think everybody wanted to go on Main Street.
0: Yeah, everybody. Yeah, Coopers there I to lead them the Jumping thing, and there was
2: talk. Oh, you know they're going to play Finland now because they, they they won the other preliminary game. Yeah. I didn't have a ticket for that game. I had no ticket to the Finland game. None. I didn't want to buy one. All I wanted to do was see if I could stay <laughs> <sneak in. laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so you guys don't know me from a hole in the wall, okay? But, um.
1: But you know, it's okay. It's all right. But real quick, real quick. Snuck on the field. I was nine years old.
0: There you go. Told me to hop the railing on
2: camera day so he could get a picture with me and Jack. There you go. That's, that's the American. There you way. Go. And, but I was I was in the ring with Muhammad Ali.
1: Whoa.
2: Stanley Cup was on went to the dinner in 1982 the dinner before the All-Star game in Montreal, and sat down with Rod Goose this guy! Winfield, and they asked me, "Who are you?" And I said, "I'm a freelance photographer. I, I was working up there for my company." And then I, the afternoon, the, the afternoon of the All-Star game, I went to the Hotel Bonaventure and had lunch. And set, snuck into a luncheon with all the uh, dignitaries there. And sat down with Wally Haas, who was the owner of the Oakland. Oh God! I said, I'm a freelance photographer. I got on the field for the whole game, was in the locker room. I was in the locker room when the Giants beat the Denver Broncos for the Super Bowl. I had a ticket for that game.
1: Wasn't that game out in Pasadena?
2: <laughs> oh, in
0: California. It was,
1: it was, the Rose Bowl. Yeah, I was at the Rose Bowl. So I said, there's no way I'm not getting into this. Right, exactly.
2: Game at 11 o'clock. I think it was 11 o'clock. And um, so what I did... In all the other times I snuck into sporting events, I waited for confusion. And the best thing to be is very well scoped out when confusion happens. And that's when they open up the gates. So there was a a people there. I was at the same exit that I uh, exited after the rushing game. And there was two people on the left or right taking tickets. I had my ticket from the rushing game, the stub from the rushing game. I held it up, walked in between the people that were checking the tickets because people were just going up real quick, and went <laughs> into the game. There you go. Hey, that that hey, worked.
1: We've yeah. all done it. We've yeah. all done things like this. So, listeners, if you think this is a rarity. That was know,
0: normal back then.
1: I
2: admire everybody that did this because even at that all-star game in Montreal, is the, the night before, Is at the Palace of Fine Arts. And here's the deal in that I was working there the whole day. Had a suit on and I had a baseball and I figured the all stars were gonna come through this way to go up to the dinner, but they didn't. They went to another way. But the people, the dignitaries that were then going to this dinner were going through this and to the left or right, this giant staircase. There were two mount royal mounted police people taking these big invitations that you had. It was a big paper invitation that had French on one side, English on the other. Well, I walked in between the two people when there was a bunch of crowds. I turned down to, turned back to the mounted police guy, and I said, may I have my invitation back? i like to keep it as a souvenir. He gave me the invitation, bingo. I was in there, no problems. I had the invitation. Wow. Wow. All right, so... It, once I get into the Finland game, I didn't have a seat, so I stood at center ice and the
1: lower level. That's where my vantage was. Okay. Right okay. So, um, real quick, going back to the, uh, the Russian game real quick, because, you know, that's yes. what everybody wants to talk about. And, listen, when – because we've heard what the players have said. I personally have heard what, you know, a lot of the players have said, with the, what, you know, what they, they were thinking, that they felt like it was the longest 10 minutes of their lives. When the Americans take the lead on the Eruzioni goal, uh, with ten minutes left in the third period what's what's right. going through your head right now are you thinking the same thing they' they're thinking you know this is like the longest ten minutes of my life you know what, you know what's going I, through uh, your head
2: I was stunned to be honest with you I was stunned the game was even that close. I think the you know the, the Russians be winning by two or three four or five goals I was stunned but but, but leading up to that point, I kept thinking, oh, the Russians are going to break it open. I, I, that was my, I, you know, that's the way I looked at it. the Russians. breaking <laughs> it. It's close games, but, but when Oluzeony scored with ten minutes to go in the game, I said, I said, wow, we, we this, I can't believe this, but this could. It happen could really now.
0: happen. Wow. I,
2: I, I, and the only, the only other, when they changed goaltenders, I said. This could be a break for the Americans. That's the only thing I thought about that we got a break here. They took Tradiac out. And and but well no Ruzioni only scored. My like, I, I was stunned most of the game. I I I, I don't I, I never was a person to to just sit and watch. I was into a game. Come on, baseball or something, football. I was always into the game. Yeah, great game. <laughs> Say a word this game from the get go. I didn't yell. People around me were screaming and yelling and, and, and really being very vocal. I, I, I for some reason I just sat back and watched, and because I, I had my camera, I wanted to take some great shots. So I was to take
0: something some internal, phone. like you just felt. I, you know, I have a
2: zoom lens. I just had a 50 millimeter lens. <laughs> right I I I I was stunned when the losing only scored. Wow. And I looked at the clock and I, every I maybe every thirty seconds I was look at the clock. Every thirty seconds. Up, look, down, watch the game. Up look yeah. and, and when the when the play was stopped, it was like um it was like a relief for me just to, to get a little bit of attention for those for that minute and a half until they changed lines or something, <laughs> the refs were ready to put the puck into play. It was like a really, like, relief picked right up.
0: It, it, I was just wondering if anyone heard uh, this the pregame speech versus the Soviets from Herb Brooks. Um, I want to read that. Um, Herb uh. said, Great moments are born from great opportunity, and that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you have earned here tonight. One game, if we played them 10 times, they might win nine. But not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down. Because we can. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. You were born to be hockey players. Every one of you. And you were meant to be here tonight. This is your time. Their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about a great, hockey team the soviets have screw them this is your time now go out there and take it
1: i mean i would get motivated to play with that speech
2: and you know what it, it would and and i i would like to and i i screwed it up too when i met the guys at the 35th reunion up at lake placid five years ago we were in the same locker room as those guys that night
1: yeah we were and
2: i, I I, I,
1: you were there too, that's <laughs> right I was there, don't forget I was there for that
2: Oh man Well I, I would have loved to find out How Herb Brooks Was that Words, thoughts, meaning And compassion Set up that he knew he had to say that It was just off the cuff
1: Yeah, I'd like to know that too I mean, I, I, I you know, it's one thing I never asked those guys when I was there because I would always talk about other stuff, like <laughs> other moments of the game, like really comparing what happened to what happened in the movie. Was it really – like all that kind of stuff. But you never – I never got to ask him about that speech, which maybe hopefully I can be able to, you know, talk to them, one, of, one of them again and ask him about that.
2: I sp- I spoke to Kenny Morrow um, for a couple minutes after we came out of that locker room that day, and and I said to him, this is what I said to him, I said, going into the third period when you left the locker room and went on the ice, what was your first thoughts getting onto the ice? He said, don't <laughs> screw it up. So simple. What he said, don't screw it, just really, he was very uh, precise, and he was a stay-at-home defenseman, and, and I, I you probably everybody knows this, but everybody, you know, Herb Brooks kept saying throughout most of the game, "Play your game, yeah, play your game," and and um, I I think that was the the one thing. And what's really cool about this whole process of the Olympic the American Olympic team, these guys didn't like each other when they first started because a lot of guys came from Boston, a lot of guys came from Minnesota those are two
0: B.C.U. type teams. They
2: <laughs> had to outgun everybody. But as a team, if you ever want to look at a professional organization in any way, business or high school or college sports, you look at those guys and how they formulated as a team and they had a leader in Brooks. And, and, and Craig Patrick was there. And and he had some hockey uh, history with his family and stuff. Buzz Patrick was the general manager of the New York Rangers. The father was a goaltender for the Rangers at one time. And and it, the, that whole process of winning that game was based upon, as I read and I heard one of the players also gave a talk. That one You might have heard that, Jim. He said it was designed by Herb Brooks to put us in a position where I would pick on one he would pick on one or two players and come up a little bit and and the other players would rally around him and bring the team closer together it was It was more of a play your game Ruzioni. play it hard, play it well. How come you're not doing this do this and it, whatever he said, he was picking on somebody just to get the team together around. That particular person, so it was um, a remarkable Friday night, and it was even really cool when uh, the final score of the fourth four to three game, uh, four to two game, uh, forty oh, three yeah, game.
1: Oh yeah, four three game against CM2. the Russians, and mm-hmm. then the
2: game against so Finland. Yeah. Yep, against Finland, because um, they were losing going into the third period anyway at that game.
1: Yeah, another and comeback. And, and so it, it was the
2: most. Look, as I said to you, I was at, I, I snuck into the locker room in the 69 Mets. I snuck into the locker room in the 86 World Series, the Mets. Uh, I, uh, I was at, at games when I was at the Eddie Jockerman game in New York when they yelled out, Eddie, Eddie. I was there when the Islands won the first cup. Uh, I, I, I saw great baseball games and, and football games with, with the Jets. Uh, beating Oakland to go into the Super Bowl. I was ushering at Shea Stadium that day, but this this game against the Russians was the finest sporting event I will ever have witnessed or ever will witness. There there is no comparison. For young, it was like it was unprofessional, almost you know college kids playing a professional team, and. You can't ask for any other better result than, than the Americans
0: winning.
1: That all, I, be, I think that's the only thing that really people wanted to see was the Americans beat the Celtics. It always Go seemed ahead, like, Jones. you Sorry
0: know, for you people all. forget the game against Finland. And I want to touch on a player that is legendary in the Hockey Hall of Fame and with the Edmonton Oilers. This kid was coming off a middle of a 75-point season for the Oilers. And his name is a 19-year-old Yari Curry from Finland, a May 18th birthday. He had two goals and one assist in that tournament. He was number seven on the team, uh, his jersey number.
2: Wow, see that? These guys, I I think the Russians were always – the professional team there for the Red Army. But you had guys like Yari Curry or, or, or you had um, a, a number of other players that, that played on other teams that wound up in the in the National Arcade other than the Americans team, which was a number of different teams.
1: Yeah, I know. Like, Neil Broughton. Like, it's funny because I texted Joe this morning and the 95 Devils raising the cup game four was on. And, you know, it brings back a lot of memories from 95 for me because I was at the game and with my parents, and it was awesome. Wow. Um, and just and, to see and, it.
2: And but you look at Kenny Morrow, who winds up winning the gold medal and the Stanley Cup.
1: And a national championship all <laughs> within a calendar year.
2: Right. That's and, what, and, to ha- and to have that at that young age and then win three more Stanley Cups, um, that, that was a feat that, that uh, you know, few people were granted. Uh, and when, when the, the Stanley Cup that first year and Bobby Nystrom's overtime goal, he w- I got into the locker room and he's right by the cup and, and he had um, just taken a big swig of, of the, the booze in the cup and he says, <laughs> Don't we man. all feel like yeah, that? <laughs> yeah, better you know, truer words could
1: be spoken. I mean, you know, if we're looking at that team, I mean every guy was there for a reason as you know, you know, uh, as you saw like when we were there for 35th anniversary in like Placid, um, you know, the guys were saying each of us was there for a reason. Morrow was there defense stay at home defenseman, big guy. He was good. You know, Mark Johnson, another guy that played in the National Hockey League for our Devils fans. He played for the Devils. Neil Broughton was a uh, Minnesota North start, then went to New Jersey. Mike Ramsey, who I forgot, played.
0: Yeah, Mike Ramsey had two penalty minutes in that game versus Finland. So he was in the box for a little bit.
1: Yeah. Uh, Mike Ramsey was on, um, was on the Detroit team that lost. Johnson uh, <laughs> had a goal
0: and assist that day versus Finland.
1: Yeah. He lost against the Devils in 95 in that game four. So it's funny to see all these guys like go, and it's a shame like a guy like Mark Pavlich who's had, you know, he's had some issues you know, with the court and the, mental, and the mental institution right now. He played in the National Hockey League for the Rangers, and he had a really good tournament for um, the United States as well, a uh, forgotten member of that team because I think he had a point in every game.
2: Yeah, and he was a small little center. And even Jim Craig played, I think, a couple games with the Boston Bruins. And and uh, he played in the National Hockey League, I think, for a couple of games. And I think, if I'm correct, Jack McCartan played a number of games for the New York Rangers in 1961 after the um, Olympics, or 1960 after the Olympics. He played a number of years in the Western Hockey League or the World Hockey Association or
0: something. Yeah, the WHA before they uh, merged into the NHL.
2: Um, yep. And you you just, um, these guys are teammates for life. And, and seeing them at that reunion, uh, what I was able to do, um, I blew up two of the photos. One was the Finland game and one was the Russian game. And uh, I had the ticket, still had the ticket to the rushing game. And I met the guys at the Hampton Inn in Lake Placid in the morning. And I got all 17 members to sign these two photos. And I put the the picture and I framed it with a nice frame around it. And I gave it to my grandson, who is now 13, but his birthday
0: is February 22nd. Wow. Wow, that's That's six days after me.
2: <laughs> so it, it, it is, um, it, uh, and, and I, I appreciate you guys um,
0: for the about
2: this few
0: years when, uh, seven, when 1980 I'm was going on.
2: And um, it, it, I've always been a competitor, but I don't know what it's like to have, so we won some championships in baseball and stuff. Just, you know, amateur ball, but for the world to see these guys at the timing, what was going on in the United States and Afghanistan, I think it, no, it was, uh, the Russians, yeah, Afghanistan, the
0: Russians yeah, invaded.
2: Russians Afghanistan, and, yep. yep. And and all of that yep. needed a lift at that time. Uh, we got it. It's too bad. We can't play another game now with all the stuff that's happening in, in the world today, but, um I think it gives us hope that that if you put your mind to it, you work as a team, you work together for one common goal, you can do anything you want to. Do. And that that team proved it, man. Yeah, absolutely. And
0: and it reminds me, Dan, when uh the two thousand and nineteen NHL draft uh class took place, they were talking about how John Roblewski was mentioning how kids like Trevor Zegrass, who just signed an entry-level contract with the Anaheim Ducks, uh, and you had Jack Hughes being the big name of that draft class. Um, it speaks a lot of volume seeing the amount of young, talented American talent. It seems they've been following uh, the 1980 USA uh, success, and it's the, been a blueprint. And it seems like, even with former Devils players who were associated with Team USA or played again. Yep. Hello.
1: Yeah, he's there. Hold on. He's page. He... 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 Joe, you still there? Yeah, I'm still there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can you just ask? Could you just ask the question again? You just faded out there. For a second. I I
0: said, um, it it seemed like. Uh after the 2019 uh, draft class with the top American-born talent from kids like Jack Hughes and Trevor Zegras, who now just uh, signed an ELC just a few days ago uh, with the Anaheim Ducks. And it seems like a guy like John Roblevsky who was the coach of that 2019 USA team. Do you believe, Dan, that um, Team USA is developing – some really excellent future NHL star caliber players that could possibly be hall of famers and very successful following the suit of 1980. Well, I think
2: what happened was after that was over, I, you know, if you look at the 1980, 1980 team between Boston college and Minnesota, maybe there was Clarkson, I think was a big school at the time. Uh,
1: Minnesota um,
2: They had a, a nucleus of, of a number of colleges, maybe a handful, let's say. But now, since that happened, you have ice rinks that, that develop for young kids. The kids are on the ice at a young age. I think some of the NHL players go to summer camps. So this this is a cumulation of, of from that all the way through these 35 years or so, 40 years, where um, it has a big impact on, on young kids playing hockey. And I think one of the things that needs to be looked at in in, in this is the enlightenment of some of the coaches that have given themselves many, many years under the coaching of of these college players that get maybe not as enough credit to putting these players in a better position to be drafted and down the road, maybe potential NHL players and, and high caliber players because, um, of of the stepping stones of all these years. Now, um, I don't follow college hockey that much, but I I think when when the Final Four goes on and and the Frozen um, Frozen Four, uh, I was at one of the games up in Buffalo a couple of years ago, and it was tremendous. It, it, the the enthusiasm and the players, they're coming from all over, but a lot of a lot of players now you'll see um, drafted through the NHL, and perhaps it got from the 1980s. But the game itself in, involved a lot, simply because of the NHL expansion and need for players and so on and so forth. So there's a whole bunch of things that added up to uh, making co- college hockey and young kids hockey, peewee hockey, better. They have better facilities. We used to go and play ice hockey in West New York, New Jersey at at 8 o'clock at night. And and we couldn't get on the rink any any other time. It was a small little rink in West New York, New Jersey. New Hyde Park Skate Rink out on Hillside Avenue in in New Hyde Park, Queens, New York. That was the range of practice place was there. And we used to play hockey
0: there. So that was was basically before they got to Westchester.
2: Bill Baer yeah. and those guys were great people, man. They would always sign autographs, and we watch them. And then that afternoon on a Saturday if they weren't playing, we we play hockey there though, for the a lot of times. The Rovers, um, minor league, and that they they had a, a young hockey thing called the Rovers, I think. And so it was a, just a. It was tough
0: to get ice on, yeah. let's put it that way. There's a youth hockey team up in uh, New Jersey, up in North Jersey, called the, the Hitmen.
1: Yep. I Yeah, I played a couple of years for the Hitmen, and then I went to the Colonials, and I played for a couple of teams like that. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's, you know, the stories are great from Lake Placid. I mean, telling us you got into, you get into the Finland game, you get there, sit center, you're standing center ice, taking photos. You know, what was it like, in the building that day, really, because we just, you know, you told us about, you know, it was electric for the Russian game. you got to imagine probably the same electricity was there for the uh, Finland game.
2: I think it was, it, it was now, um, I guess, because uh, Finland, you, you didn't hear a lot about a lot of these other teams. Finland was a good team, uh, you know, with the elimination of Canada, that was the big rivalry other than the Russians. And, and now, you, you, the, the building that morning, uh, had uh, in my opinion, anyway, just it was like, let's go, come on, we got this yeah. now, we got, this. yeah, and 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 but when they were when the third, when the second period ended, I, I there was a little buzz like, okay, okay, what's happening here? Oh, they better not. They have the opportunity. They beat the Russians. How come they're not w- wiping out the the Finland team? Yeah, and I thought, I thought, okay, now they got a lot of momentum, but Finland played a fine game. I mean. It was an up and down that played on the same. I guess they were in the same presence of, of sometimes stick handling, sometimes putting the puck in, chasing it, getting it out to the blue line, taking shots there. There was a couple penalties. If I remember correctly, that the Americans killed off, and then coming out in the third period when they scored that that, that goal, I, I said, "Whoa, okay, let's go." And, and then from then on, it took off. And that's when, uh, again, the crowd was right from the- um, USA, USA, USA. Right from the opening uh, puck drop, that's when all of that stuff happened. Uh, and I, again, um, standing up and, and not having a seat at center ice, um, I just stood there and watched. I didn't yell. I just was watching hockey because I felt that this was never going to be duplicated again. That's what I kept thinking. You're never going to
0: see this again, Dan. You're <laughs> never going to see something like this again. Yeah, You're I know. Watch. And uh, oh. what I'm looking at, Dan, um, the box scorer for Finland that day, uh, Hanu Hapalainen, the defenseman, had an assist in in that game. Mikko Leinonen got a goal and assist as a forward, and then. Yuka uh, Portavari got a goal in that game. So, uh, Yari Curry, a young legend, didn't score in that game. So, keeping him off the board was very important. Uh, And Yorma uh, Valtonen uh, had uh, 25 saves out of 29 uh, shots on goal uh, for the Finns. Uh, So, looking at Jim Craig, he had a 91.3 save percentage. He only gave gave up two goals on twenty three shots um, what do you remember uh specifically with the last couple minutes of that game
2: um, now i was i was up and I wanted to get in a position to take some photographs and and what happened to me was at that time um I got mesmerized by the clock again and the game and what was happening. Where I really should have gone is down to the bench where the Americans came in or where the Finland team came in and walked on the ice and took photos. Because if I could have, if you look at that game, as soon as that game was over, you
1: saw some people that didn't belong there. I bless them <laughs> that
2: were on the ice. <laughs> And me, I just got mesmerized by. Okay, don't screw it up. Take some photos, and I got some photos. And and here's a here's a, a photo that I got. It's the scoreboard with zero zero zero, USA Russia score right there. <laughs> and took a that. And that's one of the photos that the players signed. Other than the other Russian, the one with the ticket. Uh, Train that I got for my grandson, and I have yet to
0: give it to my granddaughter, who will get that sometime in the next couple of weeks. Oh, wow. Dick Craig, wow. Craig's
2: gold medal strategies person called me the end of January. I'm in uh, um, St. Augustine, Florida, just on a couple days with my wife, and I see a 508 area code, and I know that's Massachusetts. <laughs> well, I work for the Norman Rockwell Museum, as a docent there, and I figured, oh, somebody from Mass is calling me, one of the other workers, to maybe replace them if they need it. So I answered the phone, and she said, this is so-and-so from the gold medal strategies. Jim Craig would like to use one of your photos that you sent to them a couple of years ago, and it's the photo of the 4-2 scoreboard. I said, yeah, just put my credit in there. You got it. (laughs) But I was so concentrated on, just watching the whole thing happen and and I, I I I remember the yelling going on, the screaming that were next to me and the noise of eight thousand people, but I was doing photography and I was quiet because I didn't want to lose the memory of everything. So now Craig's got the flag around him. He's looking up in to the direction I was on the opposite side of the bench of the Americans, and he's looking up into this area, and I think, I don't know what he's doing, he's looking up, but he was going, where's my father, where's my <laughs> father? And I don't know what that was all about, but I see him looking up into the direction where I was. And um, uh, the players at the time, it took a little bit longer for the players to, to really uh, shake hands with the Russians. I mean, with the, with the Finland team. And because there was just um so many people on the ice, photographers um i, I remember um, seeing Craig Patrick, he must have hugged everybody in about thirty seven seconds. I mean he was just going to everybody boom, 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 boom. <laughs> and, and that 's what I remember the most but i was i was I was mesmerized uh, i wasn't the, the Dan carubia that goes and sneaking into things it was me just saying. You're never going to see this again. And,
1: and, we're never, and we haven't it seen happens. it again. And we probably will never see it again.
2: No, I, I honestly think... No, because if you... I went to the closing ceremonies, and, and, and that, I think it was going to be um, near in Croatia, Yugoslavia someplace. And this was the last, and you'll never have it again. This is the last of the small uh, entities for the U.S., uh, for, for Olympic hockey, I mean for Olympics. Yeah. Period. It was biggest cities now. Yeah. This, was, this is a small little village that had the, the, the Olympics in the 1930s, and they came back to the exact spot. They had new jumps and everything, Mount Bonhoeven. In and Italy. In... Last. It was the last small entry into
0: Olympics ever because now it's big pay, big buckles. It's the I- and IOC. Imagine for the Olympic medal
2: in front of a high school ice uh, a skating rink, a, 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 a freestyle skating rink was right in front of a high school of Lake class Wow. Yeah. I mean, that you didn't have a lot of people. You had people on the sides looking down and people would go down into the, to the lower level where the, where the skaters were. I snuck into that one and I have a photo of uh, Eric Haydn taking off his runner, runner blades on his skates. And it, it, but it was so natural. It was... I, I can't... Everything worked out perfectly there from the, from the team winning to the small venue, to what was happening in the United States at the time, and then going out of that place, leaving on Monday morning and saying, How great was this? How how wonderful everything worked out. Yeah. So and I, I think I'm trying to think of one of the speeds is that one of the figure skaters came down with a bad ankle, maybe Ty Babylonia was in it, and Randy Gardner, I think, got hurt. I'm, I'm trying to think if that was that Olympics or it was maybe it was something else. But um, nevertheless, everything worked out well. But um, the fans there, and, and there was a small walking down Main Street, I will remember for the rest of my life. Uh, Sunday, and, and then uh, that Sunday right after the game, too, because it was daylight. And everything was just bright and nice, and everything else. And people were screaming, beaming, USA, USA. USA. So Dan,
0: we thank you so much for your uh, memories of uh, the nineteen eighty. Yeah, you so much. Uh, you know, Miracle on Ice and winning the gold, and your photography uh, perspective. This was such a great interview. Yeah, it
1: was so fun.
2: Well, thank you, guys, and um, I just want to say what you do, uh, I don't know much about because I have a flip phone and I don't know how to do <laughs> anything, so. But, but but the thing is, um, it's funny. I play ball, baseball, and hockey. I pitched my last game two years ago at the minor league field where I worked as an usher for the Houston Astros at 71 at the time, and I find that playing sports um, – you met some wonderful people and coaches, players, and you never lose, or at least for me now, I never lost this competitiveness within me to compete in almost everything I do. And, and, and if you get knocked on your butt, like some of the Americans did, like the, the, the hockey team did in, in New York City a week before the Olympics began, dusting yourself off and playing the greatest game you ever played in your life, a week and a half later? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah. It goes for everybody. Everybody should really understand. You get knocked down, you compete, you get back up, and you play your game, and you never know how much of a life you're going to have by competing and, and winning. You don't lose. You learn and you win. That's it. You never lose. You learn and you win.
0: That's, that's
1: it, man. So. We just send it on that note right there. I mean... Better words couldn't have been said. I mean, that's just perfect.
2: Well, thank you. And if you ever want to do anything again on anything on sports, just let me know. And guys, thank you very much. And to you, everybody, thank you. Thank Appreciate you, Dan. It. You're
1: welcome. Thank you for coming on. Take, Take care, it easy. Guys. Take it easy.
2: Bye
1: bye, All right. All right, everybody. That does, that's that a does wrap. it. That does it. All right, you have a good day, everybody. You guys keep your heads up. Like Dan said, keep your heads up. Stay positive. Keep indoors. And and persevere through the
0: tough times. Peace out. Peace
1: out.